0: Welcome to the podcast Benzo Tired. I'm your host, Neftal Benesty, and I'm Dutch. Join me on my journey into the world of benzodiazepines, withdrawal, bind, and more. Disclaimer, always consult your physician for medical advice. This is episode 18, Tolerance and Ferozepam, and today it's December 6th, 2022. One of the terms that I saw a lot on Benzo Buddies, and ever since I started to educate myself about benzodiazepines is tolerance. What it usually means is that when you take a certain dose for a certain reason, it is no longer or less effective and perhaps the only thing that could get the same effect is to updose. Now, in episode one, I basically tell you guys my story and how I came about benzodiazepines. Um, so just a little recap here. Um, I have tinnitus. I wasn't sleeping because of that, um, because of the stress of that. And I got prescribed my first benzo. Actually, I got prescribed more benzos um, to try, but I ended up using a short half-life benzodiazepine called lorazepam. And I took those for a couple of months. And within those months of using that particular benzodiazepine, I took, I thought it was a low dose, but it's a very potent benzodiazepine. So one milligrams of that equals 10 milligrams of Valium slash diazepam. And the way that I was using this, I was taking one milligram before I went to sleep. And I would wake up several times and I was taking either three to four milligrams a night. All I know is that I have a, I had a prescription for four milligrams at the time. Um, I'm not sure if I was using four milligrams, but I do remember that I would wake up like within two hours or something, and that would be so tired and I want, just wanted to sleep. So I would just repeat the process and take another one milligram tablet. Now we fast forward to, uh, a few months later, um, the Lorimetazapam is unavailable. I get Florazepam, um, not the correct dose, but I take the dose that I need to sleep, which is around 60 milligrams. Not Florazepam, again, in case you didn't know, they come in capsules of 15 and 30 milligrams. And I remember the first few weeks, it was just magic. <laughs> it was really magic. Just. The The way that I fell asleep with the fluorazepam, it was like you slowly drift into a coma. And I, f- I felt great. Of course, in hindsight, I had zero benzo wisdom. I didn't know it wasn't proper sleep. But it was like magic. Um, And I do remember, I think I woke up after like three to four hours and then took another 30 milligram. So I would take a 30 milligram before I went to sleep and then one when I would wake up at night and... I wouldn't sleep for very long, but I mean, in terms of what, you know, with the lorazepam, the short acting benzodiazepine, where I was waking up several times, this was a was blissful in comparison. Um, <clears throat> so I was really happy with the fluoraz- fluorazepam in the beginning. Now I get prescribed fluorazepam in 2017, um, and I think the first months were just really great. At least, you know, maybe even longer, but uh, definitely for a few months, I thought, experienced that it was working. I think problems started to creep in. It was kind of gradual. So I would have a shitty night every once in a while in 2018. I think it started there. Um, again, no benzo wisdom. I just thought it was a tool, it was a medication for my tinnitus. <laughs> because because it caused my insomnia that was my logic at the time i have very different thoughts about that now but okay so in 2018 i occasionally have a shitty night um by that time i have a uh, i've arranged for a larger prescription of 90 milligrams i i convinced my doctor my gp that i need more which at the time i didn't need that but i was like oh with the memory of The Lorme becoming unavailable. I was like, okay, let me stock up for this because, you know, I won't sleep if I don't have this, which is true. You know, I wasn't going to sleep if I I was going to stop taking that, but I just didn't know any better. In 2019, I'm definitely having adverse effects from benzodiazepines, but unaware of that, there's a lot of things happening in my personal life. And I think, okay, maybe it's a combination of things. And I think also... For a very long time, maybe even the longest time, I was like, maybe my tinnitus is causing insomnia again, because by then I kind of knew that tinnitus is a neurological issue. So it is a physiological thing. Um, It isn't a hearing thing per se. It's basically something in the brain in terms of nerves that isn't working, how it should be working. So I just linked my insomnia with my tinnitus all the time. But in... 2019, I am having an increase of bad nights, and I remember that on occasion, I would take 90 milligrams of flurazepam. Now, I have to uh, rectify something from the first episode because I, I listened to it a while ago, and I'm saying something about the capsules, and maybe I was considering a taper, something what's going on. I do know for sure that I, at this time I was divorced. I was living in a shitty apartment. Um, I was exhausted, very much exhausted. Um, I wasn't really sure what was causing it. I was maybe thinking my personal problems had something to do with that, which obviously, you know, it could be of influence because I do believe stress causes a lot of bad stuff, including bad sleeping. Um, But in the first episode, I, I kind of like it's open-ended. I'm like, oh, I, I I bought capsules, empty capsules. I want to split the pills. And the reason why I didn't, you know, call for my GP to be like, could you give me a prescription of 50 milligrams? Because I was afraid to be cut off. That is true. That is all valid. I remember that. Um, but why I was doing that, I, w- I think in the first episode, I'm saying something like, maybe I'm considering a taper, but really digging hard and I think it's different than what I said in the first episode and that is one of the challenges in making a podcast and talking about the past because mental brain cognitive impairment and memory loss all that stuff um anyways I do want to add that it didn't work because I was opening the fluorazepam capsules the powder was so fine it was dropping and it just so I gave up after an hour of hassling I gave up. I mean, I didn't have a Drula scale. I didn't even know it, that existed, that we could buy one. I didn't know. I had zero, zero, zero Benzo knowledge. But the, here's the thing. So I was like thinking in the first episode, like, did I want to do a taper? No, I wanted to updose. But I didn't want, I, you know, just bear in mind, I have 90 milligrams of flurazepam. That's my prescription. So that's three capsules of 30 milligrams of flurazepam. I, I'm afraid to call in for my GP to prescribe me 15 milligrams, either additional or instead of whatever. I don't want to tamper with the prescription, and I'm afraid that he might co- cut me off, all these valid reasons. But I think now I wanted I, – I, wanted, I did updose. <laughs> Long story short, I did updose. Um, but I think I wanted to updose by 15 milligrams or less, thinking that taking more of the drug would maybe help me sleep better. So – the, the moral of this story up till now is that's when I definitely hit tolerance. I probably hit tolerance way before that, but I wasn't aware. But I was aware that the drugs weren't helping and they weren't as effective as they initially were. So this is in 2019. I'm recording this. It's almost 2023. Um, so that that's a while ago. Anyways, so because of the hassling with the capsules, it, it doesn't work and I decide... I don't like it, but I decided to updose from 60 to 90 milligrams. Now, I can't remember if it, if that was effective. What I think I remember is that it helped a little bit, but not really. <laughs> not really. Maybe it helped me sleep a little bit better, but I just was exhausted anyways. And now, in hindsight, it's like you're taking so much benzos because 90 milligrams of florazepam is around the equivalency of 45 milligrams of Valium slash diazepam. But in terms of tolerance, and that's where this episode is mainly about, I definitely hit tolerance by 2019, maybe even sooner, 2018. And bear in mind as well that I was on benzos already for a couple of years, since 2016, but the first few months was a different benzo. Now there is some sort of concern arising with me. Like I know that I'm on a high dose and I'm going to be even higher, but I'm like, I just don't know what else to do because I, I think I already knew that I wasn't going to sleep without the pills. Um, yeah, it's just a tragedy, but I up to 90 milligrams, um, not much better for it, maybe some better sleep, but just. You know, one of the adverse effects, if you're really on high levels of benzos, is you could get well that I was I was just f- tired, fatigued, oversedated, like all these adverse effects. And I was thinking, oh, I'm so tired, maybe because of my tinnitus and stimuli. Um, I don't know what's wrong, but and I had really kind of changed my life because of my fatigue by then. Like I I I cut my hours at work. Um, I was dealing with the trauma of my divorce um, which of course it's just a a sad tragic thing when you you know have to divorce I mean for me it was at least and I still love him loved him because we're back together it's like hard to describe that period of time but I was like oh wow I'm so so sad that it didn't work one of the reasons that uh, that I, I I divorced was because of my physical condition because I was tired all the time and I was dealing with tinnitus and insomnia and and just being tired all the freaking time I was like you know I, all these reasons anyways so for me tolerance when they stop working so well I think it was sooner though because like I said 2018 I have vague memories of having very shitty nights like not a lot but you know it, over time it increases like the shitty nights that I would have on benzos um but yeah i think and i think it's kind of like well known that in terms of insomnia it's quite common for the effect to be very short lived now in 2020 there, oh, again a lot of stuff is happening i get misdiagnosed because of my you know i'm i'm tired of being tired <laughs> i'm always tired and I don't know why. Now I know why because of the because of the benzos. I was thinking, why? You know, I just got divorced. Maybe I'm stressed because of that. Maybe I'm depressed. I don't know what's going on. Um, maybe it's just mourning of everything that happened. I already also knew that I was going to lose my job. I wasn't too sad about it though, but it's like, there's all these stuff, these things happening, life events. And I, I get misdiagnosed with basically chronic fatigue syndrome, something like that. It's not exactly that, but basically it's a a Dutch, um, maybe it's DSM-5, psychosomatic something. So basically there's something wrong with you physically that, you know, works into your mental state. And that's kind of like, a category that's not very specific but like you've got some physical issues and that's why you are having challenges in life blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, so it's just so awful that I got that diagnosis even though I can't really blame the psychologist because she's not trained medically but even if I went to a psychiatrist maybe he or she wouldn't have known like, oh, you're like on a toxic amount of benzos. Anyways, I really think that I have to learn to live around my fatigue issues, which I do, but Remember, we're still in 2020, pandemic hits and everything. I start dating my ex-husband and now partner again. And I think because of the pandemic and everyone has, you know, if you're of a certain age, because if this podcast is going to, you know, be here for like 600 years, then there's going to be whole different generations who don't know about the pandemic. Um, But it was pretty intense and weird and bizarre for a lot of us. Anyways, I think the pandemic kind of masked my issues because I didn't have to work. Um, I was basically getting paid from my from my old employer um, because they had to. And then I sort of, I didn't get fired, but I got, basically my contract got terminated. I don't know how to explain this. Dutch The Dutchies have different rules and um, you can't just fire someone, but I got like a sack of money because I had been working there for 14 years or whatnot. And um, then you get unemployment money and whatever I was just happy to leave my employer and that job I wasn't particularly sad about it but the pandemic though just you know if you can remember all the lockdowns we weren't able to see anyone and we were supposed to be super careful in 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 the times of the pandemic especially in the beginning I' was just tired so many for me it was kind of good good in the sense that like I didn't have any obligations. I wasn't even allowed to have a lot of social contact. So just me being exhausted all the time, I could just be exhausted at home without consequence. So that was really interesting to me. I remember that I like that about the pandemic. Like, I'm so tired, so I'm so happy that I don't have to go anywhere. Of course, in hindsight, all because of the benzos. But definitely 2020, looking back at that specific year, I mean, the drugs aren't working at all. If anything, they're just causing a lot of drama and they're causing insomnia and they're causing fatigue. I didn't know that by then. I was like, I'm just so tired. Um, And by the end of 2020, which I also mentioned in an early episode, I think the first one is this is unacceptable. It it becomes all this, well, I wouldn't say symptoms because I never had physical symptoms. I was just exhausted, really exhausted. That was like the theme was exhausted. Um, I'd have some, what, okay days, I mean, they were there, um, but the, the, just, I would, I think I can't remember, but maybe it was like 70% exhausted days and 30% good or something like that. I can't be very specific. I didn't keep a journal. So in terms of tolerance, it it already happened. It it, it already had happened in 2019. I decided to updose because of it. Now this was my decision. Um, And I didn't have to get a new prescription because I already had like a really high amount of benzos. I already had a prescription for 90 milligrams, a very high dose. So I didn't have to approach my GP to up my dose. Now, I do know, (laughs) unfortunately, in a lot of cases... When people, because I've seen I've seen this on the board so many times that people aren't. It doesn't matter, like a Xanax or an Ativan, or uh, so that's alprazolam and uh, Lorazepam. Like, oh, it's not really effective, and GPs or doctors or psychiatrists or just prescribers will up the dose. Now that is not a good plan because basically, to me, it's like a sign you're you've hit tolerance. These drugs are no longer effective. I also think this is my opinion. Once we reach that, you know, tolerance, then what's left is our physical dependency, first of all. And then second of all, the adverse effects that in hindsight were clearly presence of my, uh, present of my benzodiazepines. Now we fast forward to the end of 2020 and I am no longer accepting my situation my being exhausted i'm like this is not normal this is not okay i am basically not functioning very well i mean it's different when i say like functioning because i in withdrawal it's a totally different thing i was just exhausted and very limited because of you know in hindsight all of the adverse effects so if you've listened to the previous episodes, you know that in January 2021, I switched from a benzo to a Z drug thinking it's another drug. So that may help me sleep very thinking like I need pills to sleep. Um, I'll just switch whatever I just needed. I just wanted a drug to help me sleep that goes totally wrong. It's basically acute withdrawal from benzos, not sleeping well, and I'm just. I've exhausted my, I am exhausted, but I've exhausted. Basically what I've, what I did and I wasn't so unaware is my GABA receptors, whatever, they were fucked. <laughs> I had fucked them up with the benzos. Um, I, I I go back on the benzos. I reinstate on the 90 milligrams. I seek help for my tinnitus and insomnia. I get the help. And then, well, the rest is history, but something interesting to add here is switching from benzos to Z drugs. They still work on the GABA receptors, or whatever. They kind of work on this in this in the same way. So it wasn't going to work. I didn't know that back then. I was like, "Oh, this is, is a different drug. So maybe I, this will help." Not knowing that they had some sort of same processes going on, whatever. Um, so yeah, I I do realize that I'm like super fucked um, at the time and. I think I do realize that I have some sort of addiction or dependency going on. Not really sure what. I. All I know is I'm sleeping super terribly and I don't know why. Um, Of course, I, I learned that over time. So in hindsight, I was in tolerance for a very long time, which leads to my, it's a good bridge to the next thing that I want to mention, tolerance withdrawal. Okay. Now... I don't think I was intolerance withdrawal. Perhaps I was. It's it's difficult with these terminologies. Um, let me say. Let me tell you this. So in terms of what I've been reading on the boards ever since I became active, ever since I've gone through all the information of benzodiazepine withdrawal, um, tolerance withdrawal. I think that they mention because you also have interdose withdrawal to so make it easier. Let's start with the interdose withdrawal, because I think that is easier to explain because of the short half-life of a specific benzo, let's say out of um, You could actually crave the next dose because you're in withdrawal already in the same day. Um, I didn't have that. So with the first benzo I was on for a few months, that had a short half-life. I know that now. I had no clue before. But I was dosaging myself several times a day, nightly, because I wasn't sleeping. Um, so I think I never had this experience, even in my withdrawal, because I'll get to that, but I never had the experience of craving another dose because I think how I constructed unknowingly my usage and dosages of benzos um, that I didn't, it wasn't, I always have like the blood serum levels you know preventing me from getting interdose withdrawal. So for me it's it's I've never had it, but I I I'm I'm I believe people, I'm pretty sure of it that if you're taking a short term benzo, I'm just saying I've never experienced interdose withdrawal. When I think of tolerance withdrawal, it's people on their prescribed benzo, as prescribed, and they they're taking the same dose but they're getting physical symptoms, right? So they're already getting a cathasia, Um insomnia um but i'm thinking like very kind of hardcore physical symptoms burning skin flu-like symptoms i never had any of those things except for the insomnia so that makes it hard for me to kind of say like was i intolerance withdrawal or just intolerance now i'm gonna stick with i was intolerance but i was not intolerance withdrawal because i had zero symptoms um i just briefly told you about the short acting benzo that i was on But for the longest time, from this whole benzo story of my life, this whole chapter, the book of my benzo experience, most of that I was on a a long-acting benzodiazepine. Florazepam is the mother of the longest half-life there is. And I want to revisit that a little bit later in this episode. But um, so I went from florazepam to the diazepam, which is Valium, um, also a long half-life. So I, I just, that's really interesting for me. So I I did have a short acting one, but I was taking that multiple times a day. So I'm thinking that that prevented a possible interdose withdrawal. Now I want to mention something very interesting that I read on the board and I have an opinion about this. So not everyone will agree on this, but I know that there are some people that were agreeing with me. Um, and maybe I actually stole the thought or the idea of someone who wrote that. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Could be. Benzo brain, forgive me, sorry. Um, so some people in withdrawal, and let's say that they're holding their dose. Some of them will ask or say or claim or think that they are in tolerance withdrawal. Now, this is my opinion. Um, you can agree. You can disagree. That's totally fine. Um, anyways. The thought, if you're like, let's say you're Benzo-wise or somewhat Benzo-wise and you started a taper or you're in withdrawal and you're tapering or something and you're holding your dose and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm intolerance withdrawal. Now, I disagree with that terminology and this is one of the most difficult things that I'm noticing just by making the podcast, being active on the boards, although I'm not really active lately, but I haven't been... Um, terminologies because it's such a complicated matter so how do we explain certain things and it's difficult it's challenging but regardless I'm still going to try I'm going to try I'm doing my best here um so my opinion and some some other people's opinions might be the following that you cannot be in tolerance withdrawal during a taper because that tolerance happened way back because I'm guessing just guessing here that if we're in some sort of withdrawal it's because our benzos were no longer effective that's my opinion um so the whole in in terms of i'm tapering am i in tolerance withdrawal no tolerance happened way back way back when it stopped working for us or when we got interdose withdrawal um so i i just want to clarify if you're going to be active on the boards that uh, and i mean it's still terminologies and not everyone will agree but I just really want to get this out there that um, tolerance happened way before. You're just in withdrawal. You're just having symptoms probably because of withdrawal, not intolerance. Now, possibly this could happen that someone is in some sort of tolerance withdrawal. Regardless, the 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 whole taper that needs to be very individual, tailored to your individual needs. I I agree. It doesn't really change what is happening after, um, you can either decide to go faster or it's speed up the pace, something. um, I just I just wanted to let y'all know. I was like, oh, tolerance during a withdrawal and then someone said, I think before me, like no, tolerance happened before. And I'm just gonna say this about my situation is, yeah, for i will I will not say tolerance. I'm not I haven't been using tolerance because. My tolerance happened probably in 2017. We're in 2022 now, almost 2023. Tolerance was way back, you know, and especially in terms of the effects. So the hypnotic effect. Yeah, that's that's long gone. Um, I have to say though, so I I I had a first failed taper in when was this? 2021, last year, I think. Yeah. Anyways, um, I reinstated and I did um, sleep a little bit better at the time. But I can't remember specifically, I think it was happening that like a small effect, like the small punch, the small effect of me getting in sleep because of the pills. But I also remember that um, because I had updosed to 90 milligrams like 2018, I was taking 60 milligrams. So that's almost equivalent of 30 milligrams of Valium. Um, I don't it didn't knock me out as in the beginning, but I did eventually fall asleep. but this could also just be my ne a part of my messed up slash natural sleep making me fall asleep. but tolerance happened way before, and I would take another thirty milligrams at night when I woke up and 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 i I think in my earlier schedules where I was um you know keeping track of the benzos and everything. I actually occasionally did 120 milligrams of flurazepam, which would equal around 60 milligrams of Valium. And I don't think it did, go you up. Know, yeah, probably it was really bad to do that. I just had no clue. I, I remember that if I did very occasionally, rarely, then, you know, it, I must have had like a really shitty night, uh, do 120 milligrams. If I was like, ooh, this is so high, you know, this is um not good. And I would regret it, but, you know, it just gets really messy when you're so dependent dependent on these drugs. Now, I do want to mention a little bit about florazepam. Uh, the first thing that I want to mention about this, because I, I did some research, it's a very, unquote, classic benzodiazepine. It was the first hypnotic benzodiazepine to hit the market. Um, I think there's two brand names, but one of them is delmain Um... I also kind of discovered early on, and I wasn't benzo-wise, but I had a friend who was polydrugging. He had Z-drugs, benzos, other stuff, Ritalin, I don't know, just a lot of drugs. And I told him at some point I was taking flurazepam, and it at the time it was really effective. I was like, what? Is, what? I've never had a, heard of flurazepam before. I was like, yeah, I'm getting florazepam. Anyways, if I did mention it to someone, they were like, I, I, they didn't hear of florazepam before. Um, now, you, bear in mind, in the Netherlands at least, we only use gen- generic names. That's why I'm sometimes struggling with Valium because we don't say Valium. We just say diazepam. And all of these, ben- most of the benzos, they end with PAM. So the Dutchies will even say the PAMs, you know, it's a PAM, basically meaning a benzo. Now, I know that not every benzo is ending the generic name with PAM, um, but I knew of the other PAMs like lorazepam, that's Ativan. Um, I think that's the most, that's just a guess here, but I'm guessing that that's the most prescribed benzodiazepine in my country. Not sure how it's internationally um, the most, maybe Xanax, l um, but it, I don't think that's prescribed a lot or maybe at all in um, the Netherlands. Now, in this part of my journey, I understand that florazepam is not prescribed a lot. It's like a very rarely prescribed benzodiazepine. The reason that I got this particular benzo because I already had tried a lot of other benzos, although in hindsight and I had zero benzo wisdom, I am kind of confused why my GP, when my lorazepam, you know, wasn't available, why he didn't prescribe the lorazepam, which is Ativan. I mean, it's still all benzos and all bad, but um, one of the things that I find really fascinating about lorazepam, first of all, I'd never had diazepam before, Valium. I'd never had lorazepam before, Ativan, so I can't say on that. um, Before, you know, I had lorazepam and the lorazepam. But the um, it seemed magic for me at the time, and perhaps one of the reasons was because of its very, very long half-life, and maybe because of its its hypnotic effects. Um, so I just, I just think that's fascinating that I got this pretty rare benzo that in the beginning worked wonders for me, and also in hindsight, because you know, oftentimes I'm thinking like what would I have done differently? That's kind of ebbing away now. Like I'm, I'm just, because I'm doing better and I'll get back to me being a lot better in my future episodes. Um, and I, I think we've discussed like when to use a Benzo or not. Um, I, 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 I will stick for now with like, in case of an emergency, then a Benzo may be okay, very short term. Um, but with the hindsight, with the gift of hindsight now, um, I think I would have done a lot of things different. I would have tried everything in my power to prevent and need a benzo, but if I would have resorted to a benzodiazepine for me, and everyone works differently, but for me, the forazepam, that was really effective. All the other ones, up till like the forazepam were not effective. Now I'm not a scientist, unfortunately. I'd love to be one right now, <laughs> go go back to school when I once I get better and you know dedicate my whole life to to benzos, but that's not going to happen. Um, so one of the things that's very interesting to me is, um, I remember in the Ashton equivalency table, um, she mentions most of the benzos that were, you know, out there at the time, maybe there's more now or, or less, I don't know. Um, but in that table, she is saying, um, like this particular benzo is mostly aimed for anxiety. Um, This one is more, you know, aimed for the muscle relaxing part. The other one is for the hypnotic effects. Now, here's my kind of wild, crazy thoughts that, you know, I'm not going to experiment, but I think they maybe should (laughs) in terms of because there's so much suffering in benzodiazepine withdrawal a lot of times uh, for us, not for everyone, but for a lot of us. And one of the things that I've seen happening is so – I think Ashton did her best in terms of the available benzos and their dosages. So the logic for Valium, diazepam, is logical because of its long half-life and the dosages, like specifically and. Um, in terms of half-life, and I've said this before, that would be irrelevant to me because I was on an even longer half-life benzo, the Flurazepam, the longest of them all. Now, just imagine, I mean, it would just save everyone a whole lot of drama if we could get basically compound pills. Rather it's Xanax or Ativan, if we could just say I want the pills in this kind of dosage and we could just taper original Benzo, I still think that that is like the first course of action, in my opinion, to try to do that. However, when we do get to a crossover, I had a switch over, which is not a crossover. But um, if we, I mean, there are people reporting that they they just react very poorly on the valium diazepam i can't really say anything about that i got switched it was horrible too low of a dose benzo hell benzo torture no sleep but other people are being converted to clonopin clonazepam i've never i don't think it's being prescribed here in the netherlands i can't speak on clonopin i can't um, all i know is that ashton specifically mentions that that would not be a good case However, you know, anything can happen and everyone responds differently. And I know people are being, you know, converted to to clonopin. Now, let's take clonopin, which is 20 times more potent than Valium. Then we have the froazepam; Its potency, 50% less than Valium. So in terms of when I think of like, okay, if we are going to do a conversion because of, you know, we don't want to have interdose withdrawal, whatever reason... Um, in terms of half life, then florazepam would be theoretically, I'm, very, I'm going to be very specific here. This is all theory. Theoretically, florazepam would have an even longer half life. Um, and maybe, just maybe, I'm not really sure, just maybe, it could be a better alternative to Valium and Clonopin. Clonopin, why? It's 20 times more potent. So that is kind of what I think, ooh, that's tricky. And because Ashton said something about, ooh, you know, some patients are being converted to clonopin and it's not a good idea because of this and that reason. And it, it just sounds, and I don't know this from experience, I'm discussing, it sounds like it, it. that particular benzo is very tricky to come off of. I don't know why, but that's what she said. That's what Ashton stated. So I don't know about that. And then the Valium just solely because, you know, people aren't responding to it well. Not always. I mean, some people do. I I ended up stabilizing and feeling well on the diazepam, but Valium. But some people don't. Now, the biggest catch with the whole flurazepam thing is the dosages because they come in capsules. So in fifty milligrams and 30 milligrams. So that it's not, you cannot really cut them. Perhaps you could weigh it. Um, you could get a compound pharmacy, but it's uncharted territory. That's what I'm saying here. It's not being researched. So, this is what I know. People are being converted to Valium because of its long half life and the the dosages. People are being converted to Clonopin, even though, despite the fact that Ashton said like don't do it or I don't recommend it or whatever. Um, but then with the uh, Clonopin, I. Th- thing, the tab- even, even if there's a very, very small tablet of that, it's so potent. So I'm reading a lot, or I've read a lot of the boards about people doing like a jeweler scale, getting liquid clonopin So you're still going to have to do that. Now, even I'm just going to take my case here, even though I'm thinking like, maybe I would have responded better on thrazepam, I, I was on thorazepam, so I kind of know that I was sort of stable on it or not very symptomatic but let's say I was on a short acting one and I was if I had the choice that's also a problem because you cannot just hop around from one benzo to another that is not good um, so even if I had the option they were like okay you're, you, do you want to take Valium or do you want to take the thrazepam? Um, the fluorazepam is, like, even longer-acting, and let's say, theoretically, these would be available in, like, one milligrams of, you know, tablets or something. Um, it's, it's, the problem is it's not researched. Um, but who knows? If people struggle on the Valium, for me, clonopin versus the fluorazepam, I would have gone for the fluorazepam because it's less potent. But yet again, here it comes— there's just not the dosages of that and it's just i'm being very careful here and i'm just i'm i'm just going to say this even with this theory that i have i have no intentions of going back to a compound fluorazepam something i'm not I'm, i've am i settled on valium i'm not going to go back to another benzo i refuse to do that it's not smart in my opinion especially now and how far i am in my process i'm just thinking like if fluorazepam has the longest half-life of them all wouldn't it be great? Well, first of all, it would, just be, would, it would have been super awesome for me if they would make the, those things in one milligrams of, you know, tablets. Another thing that I want to mention about florazepam is um, I looked into tapering strips, which is a Dutch thing only. It's um, being named in um, American websites uh, like Benzo Information Coalition that you could do, um, you could order tapering strips. I am going to be careful with my opinions about it, but I checked for ferasepam and it's it's it was kind of funny and hilarious and sad at the same time as this process sometimes is. I was like checking that out the other day, and maybe even I maybe I did it before. I was like I'm not going to do tapering strips. I this particular pharmacy by the way is the only pharmacy in the Netherlands as well that does compounding pills. So if I'm going to get the 0.1 milligrams of valium I need to be at this particular pharmacy, and I know because I've informed I I don't necessarily need to get tapering strips. I can just get a whole bunch of 0.1 milligrams of Valium tablets if I want to. Anyways, they have a website. It's elaborate. They must have an English version as well because they're shipping this all across the world, people that really want these tapering strips. Anyway, they have these buttons that um, mention the specific... um, benzodiazepine that you could order tapering strips from. So I saw a Florazepam. I'm like, oh, let me check that out. You, you get like a file that's downloaded, um, a file and it says <laughs> with the I was like, oh, you want to tape your You're going to have to switch to Valium because we're not making fluorazepam. I'm like, hmm, that's really interesting and sad and tragic. And okay, so if I was going to do a crossover or if I, if, if I wanted to taper from my fluorazepam directly, in my country, in the Netherlands, compounding pills would have not been an option um, because it's kind of the downside. I don't want to get too much into this, um, but in my country, there's only one pharmacy that does compounding, so I cannot go to another pharmacy and be like, okay, here's my flurazepam capsules. Could you make this? As far as I know, they're not doing that because they're like, oh, but there is one pharmacy that does it, so go see them. And if I would say, but, you know, um, <laughs> they don't do flurazepam, Okay, well, too bad. <laughs> That's basically what I think would happen. Now, in short, because fluorazepam has the longest half-life and it's not very potent, it's 50% less potent than Valium, I'm thinking opportunities here. So I really hope one day if if it could save us somewhat of a- anguish or whatever, um, and this is all theoretically, if I, I think there could be some opportunities there with the fluorazepam if provided that they make them available in like one milligram tablets. So that would be equal to half a milligram of Valium. I mean, it would have been even better if they can make 0.5 because then it's basically close to micro dosaging. Um, but yeah, I think if I win the lottery some someday, um, I would try to research that and see like, okay, so this is the longest acting half-life a hypnotic, you're still going to sleep shitty, probably in withdrawal. But, you know, I, I I know, again, that Ashton just worked with the available dosages around, but perhaps it could relieve a lot of people's suffering, all perhaps and all theories. But I'm like, why did no one ever, you know, uh, research that did some research on it? Or why didn't they make compound tablets of that and see if someone responded better on that in terms of the Valium? So I just I just think it's fascinating, and I have other theories and things, but um, I just really wanted to mention the furazepam because it was my basically my original benzo. was This is the benzo that I was on for the longest time. I may um, exceed that duration with the Valium if I'm going to take a few years to taper that, but um, furazepam was basically the drug that I was used to. Now, in terms of, I know that tapering your original benzo is highly recommended these days. I agree. I agree. And I was thinking like maybe, yeah, I should have done that. But there's here's the however, there aren't any options in in terms of compounding. So what I could have maybe done is open the capsules and then put it in water. But then the smallest amount is 15 milligrams. And I, I just, I don't know how that would work. I know that people are... Micro tapering Valium or liquid tapering that, and then it's with syringes, and you take a bit out and you toss it or whatever. It just seems very complicated. So I think with all the information that I have at this point in time, I would have been forced. I think yeah, I would have. I think I would have felt forced to do a crossover to Valium anyway. And maybe that was kind of un it would have maybe it would have been uneventful because I did a switchover, it was horrible, and the, the equivalencies were all wrong. Um, but maybe if I did a slow kind of build of the Valium while I was tapering the florazepam, maybe it would have been uneventful. Um, but in terms of the volume, and I have to say I'm saying this in withdrawal. So the volume, it's I don't think it's doing anything for my sleep. I'm just taking the Valium because it is a benzodiazepine and so that my withdrawal will be survivable and the least amount of anguish. Welcome to the post show where I discuss things that are happening with me a little bit, but also just in the podcast in general. Now I'm doing really, really great. I'm doing really great. Um, I'm heading towards the 3 month mark after my updose and I do want to spend make a whole specific separate episode on my updose and how it's working for me. It's working for me. I have faith in doing this. And there's going to be a lot more updates about my process coming off of benzodiazepines and I do want to share all of that. Now, a few things about the podcast in general. Um you may have noticed a new intro, there's a new outro, I where do I start? So I I started very sponta- basically like the I started the the making the podcast the same way that I did my withdrawal unprepared, unprepared. And I, I think I've mentioned this. The reason that I started for the Dutch uh, public, Dutch speaking public, I should say because people from Belgium are tuning in and they speak Dutch as well was there was this like sense of urgency and I was like I'm writing a book but I'm not sure when it comes out if it comes out if it's even going to be finished I'm like if I can just save one soul or help one soul that there. well first you know many reasons you're not alone you're not crazy because I thought I was crazy and I had to find other stories to find out I wasn't crazy and a podcast can be a great tool to get to people right now like now so it's like you know um I I figured it out like, oh, I can I can get to people in the now and if I could just help one person or I mean that's what happened with me. I listened to podcasts. I I read books. I found the Astro Manual and just I, I think I mentioned something about the collective knowledge. And I hope that I've I've done a good job at that because I think I shared all of the things that I found everywhere and nowhere. Like some things I learned from books, some most of the things maybe from the Astra Manual. There's other websites, there's other organizations, there's the podcast of Geraldine Burns that I learned so much from. I also learned a lot from different people, their stories sharing that on the podcast. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of people on the podcast yet. Maybe that will change, maybe it won't. Um, I'm good either way. But what I didn't expect, because it was so unprepared and so spontaneously, I really thought I was gonna get to like one or two people maybe. And I also feel like, you know, I... Remember that I found Geraldine's podcast called Benzo de Aspen Awareness. By the way, um, she's been making or uploading it um, ever since 2019 or something that I saw. So people can still find this podcast years after, and um, the service that I'm using it gives me some sort of data in terms of where people are tuning in from, how many people are listening, and it's. I'm gonna tell you, it's a lot more than two people. And that was kind of daunting. It's it's a paradox because on one hand, I just – I hate that people are suffering. I hate it. I wish – I didn't never have to make a podcast. I wish I never got sick. I wish I never had a benzos and so forth. Um, and it's a paradox because on one hand, I don't want people to suffer. On the second, On the other hand, it's nice that my work is not for nothing and that people are listening and hopefully they can learn something. And even if it's just me sharing my story – but it's also daunting at the same time now that I know that a lot of people are listening. I never expected that at all. I was like, oh, a lot of people are listening. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. A lot of people are listening and I'm just a patient from the Netherlands. A uh, patient, unquote. Um, a benzo survivor. For sure. For sure. That's what I definitely am. Um, and sometimes I struggle with, you know, thinking of themes. Um I've been uploading a lot of episodes in a, in a, like a small amount of time. I think I started in October for the Dutch ones, and then I started making English ones, and now I've mostly switched to English. But it's it's like everywhere. I know I'm I'm a bit over the place in my podcast, and I'm not sure because it's of withdrawal or just my personality or both. Um, but I'm like, okay, I I think I've shared a lot now in terms of things that I know. I will keep on sharing my story because I do think it's important, not only just healing and for me, but I'm like, okay, so I'm doing a long hold. At some point I want to resume my taper. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it, but wouldn't it be great if I can share this story? And it's not for everyone. Everyone's process is individual and my story is not someone else's story. And maybe this whole long hold concept is like not relevant to certain people. So I sometimes struggle now with the podcast because the good thing, the nice thing about podcast making is you can just do it whenever I could wait for a year and start making another episode. There's a lot of freedom into this, which is great. There's no obligations. Um, so there's a lot of good things about it. Um, but at the same time, a bit daunted because I may say things. I try to like be very specific, like this is my opinion. This is what I know. This is what I've read. But still, I might, maybe I'll piss people off. I don't know. I just did again. I did not expect for a lot of people to be listening. So, um, and I do want to just bring you with me. I'm taking you with me in my journey of benzodiazepine withdrawal, but I'm also taking you with me in the journey of making the podcast. So maybe I'll do a whole separate episode about like behind the scenes. I, I, I just, I don't know yet. Either way, thank you for listening, and I really, really hope that. Even if it's just a few things that I've said that are helpful, that's great. I really hope that I am helpful. Um, And if you feel like you want to be on the show, you want to share your story, or you just want to give feedback on the episodes, on the show, um, the the email address is in the description of the podcast. So feel free to send an email if you wish to do so. Thank you for listening to the episode. Be well, be safe. Remember, it's not a race. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, go to paypal.me slash